episode 53. We're recording this merely hours, I think, after the Geelong v Essendon round 16 demolition 66 point win to the Cats, 108 to 42 in the Cats' favour. After the first quarter, the five goal lead, we got our popcorn out and it was just a blowout. We knew we'd won after quarter time and sit back and enjoy some high quality football because that was just a fun game to watch where we weren't really contested in any standard at all. I think the three uh, cases where you go onto the AFL stats website where we are below average, um, there may be another one for this season wherein the one percenters count, the stoppage count, and the hitouts count. And it all makes sense because there were plenty, plenty of goals scored, less stoppages. Nothing seen down Essendon's Ford 50. So no one percenters is required. And of course, Reece Stanley or Darcy Ford didn't play. So we didn't have a true out-and-out ruckman. Having said that, we got over 20 hit-outs, thanks to like Hawkins and Jenkins at times, and Blitzarves holding down the ruck against Essendon. But what a win against... We were talking them up last podcast as, yes, this is going to be a Western Bulldogs type 2.0 performance against a club that's, yep, making their last ditch for the top eight and insert 22 players. We, we'll name a few. Yes, we'll shout out Sam Menegola for 30 disposals, uh, eight clearances and a couple of goals. Yes, we'll shout out Tom Hawkins for four goals after the whole league has known about his... Yeah, his quality um, and being isolated one-on-one still on Hurley and other defenders and easily taking marks. Yes, we'll shout out Grant Myers kicking three goals. We'll shout out Paddy. We'll shout out Cam Guthrie. We'll shout out Mitch Duncan. We'll shout out as many players as we can. But this is a 22-man performance here where the likes of Jed Buse stood up and really showed, kicked two goals, showed pretty much more recently what, He's played the position, the tactical change, not playing as a forward, but playing more forward, playing more in the mid, more willing to get a bit more gritty in there. Lockie Henderson, just the definition of a superb, consistent performance this season with Harry Taylor and Tom Stewart down back. Josh Jenkins played his first game. 14 disposals in his debut for the AFL Cats under the hoops. So a good... A good spot there. And on Essendon's, apart from potentially Carl Langford, absolute cheese there. Absolute nothing you're looking at. <laughs> you're looking at donuts. You're looking at potential disposals from Zach Merritt, Devin Smith, Dylan Shield, which really ended up to nothing at all. And our defence stood forth. Taking a step back from this match. So a few laid outs. In came Lockie Fogarty and Josh Jenkins to make his debut for the later missions being Reese Stanley and Zach Tui, unable to play his 200th game right yet. Although in the post-match, Chris Scott's now said that, yeah, he'll be 95% sure for Richmond on Friday and Stanley's a 99.9%er to come in. 
we know Joel Selwood was also mentioned in the, the press comments as one that potentially may not play in the, the next round against Richmond. We'll talk about Richmond a bit later. We can talk all we want about stats. We can talk all we want about individual players. This was a 22-man collective display. We saw here that I think that, that those people saying, yep, no Asava, no Jenkins, Rowan and Hawkins works best. Um, that argument has been shattered to bits over the last couple of weeks where it is essentially play players against the defence they're playing against and the, the style that you're operating. So whether that be Jenkins, whether that be Asava, or whether that be neither, and whether that be potentially Gaz to fill that spot. <laughs> The margin aside, the percentage boost aside, the incredible kind of just sit back, popcorn, watch this. Disposal efficiency of 75.9%. Over 5% above our average. There was a point in the first quarter there during the midpoint of the first quarter where we were going at 96% disposal efficiency and it kicked five goals straight. Now, I know Essendon rocked up to the Gabba one hour before this game, which is really strange. Daisy Pierce pointed it out on the commentary. And she said as an athlete, I have my preparations myself. It's a bit unusual for me, she was alluding to, which I completely agree with. We were looking at this previously. Michael Hurley's come in. Kale Hooker's come in. Dyson Heppel's come in recently. They've got some solid additions down there. A team that just did not turn up. Oh, Zach, throw it to you boys here. Some fun watching. <laughs> Nothing really to, to critique too much unless you want to get deep into the second half. The one thing regarding Gary Rowan, which looked like a hamstring at the time, has been now ticked off by Chris Scott as a, a quad injury and came off with precautions who will play against Richmond on Friday, which is a massive positive because that was the biggest worry to come out of the game out of a 66-point loss. Let's roll to you guys. Your thoughts, your insights into this, yeah, outstanding performance that I did not see coming. I don't think many saw it coming, uh, to be honest. I did anticipate that we'd be a good show at a, at a solid win, um, but uh, could not have anticipated a 66-point drumming. And uh, some of the standouts for me, as of recent weeks, even, and particularly this week, just uh, Brad Close's hands in tight in the contest and um, his ability to to get the ball out of that congestion, out of the congestion on hands and knees. Um, getting the ball up to Jed Buse in particular for one of his goals was, was sensational. And the, um, the ball movement or the willingness of the team to keep the pressure high, to keep forcing the ball forward. I believe there was one moment when um, Close was involved and I think someone else was involved, maybe Fogarty as well was involved. And the ball ended up with Gary Rowan, who kicked it to Dangerfield. Dangerfield managed to use his strength to hold off the defender and snap around the corner. 
and um, kicking to Managola, I believe, who went back and drilled it. That was one of the moments that got me up off the couch, just clapping um, in enjoyment because I was just like, you know, a few bits and pieces of that game were, um, it was, yeah, it was poetic. It was poetry in motion, the, the way they were playing. Um, like you said, ridiculously high kicking efficiency and um, uncontested marks. So, you know, perfect, the ideal way that Geelong likes to play of this current um, Geelong team. And the ability to go slow, but the ability to, you know, go full throttle when it needs to, but being sensible when to um, pick the moment, when to, um, you know, go and when to hang back a bit. Uh, just total control of the game, basically, from, from the outset. And the game was totally on Geelong's terms. From, from the outset as well. So there was very little tension to the game at all um, after quarter time. Once they opened up that, uh, you could say, eight-goal lead, nine-goal lead, where uh, Essendon was still only on the one goal, um, you know, I was feeling pretty comfortable from then on and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the game. About you, Zach. You're telling me you didn't see this coming? Not a part of you saw a 10 goal demolition coming. Unbelievable. Look, <laughs> I'm not at all surprised because we are playing a team that is just absolute, absolutely pathetic. And honestly, for me, the biggest thing that, that, that stood out for the game was just how terrible Essendon were. They left a lot of things on the bus. They left their brains on the bus. Anthony Tippin, McDonald Tippin, Woody. He yeah, right at the start. 30-second wanting to hand off to Mosquito and then we go yeah. down the other end of the goal literally 60 seconds later. I mean, could you imagine what he would have been told on the bench? You're five metres out on a slight angle. He's got two defenders right the sun. It's probably not the best idea to be handballing <laughs> to someone in the game. So I think they left a lot of stuff on the bus. But look, for us, I think the best, the, the thing for me that stood out, I mean, you can keep, you know, saying how it was a whole team effort, which it was. But for me, I think, and this is a good situation, I mean, there's going to be some tough selection calls being made, I think, over the next three weeks. Because something the commentators mentioned a number of times is just who wasn't playing in the side. Ablett, Tui, uh, oh, sorry, Ablett, Tui, Selwood's got to come in. You'd assume Stanley's going to come back in. So what a good problem it is to be thumping these nobodies by 10 goals and then thinking, well, we've got four, five, maybe six players who are going to come back in. Three of them have to come in and the other ones will be a bit of a toss of the coin. So I think we're in a pretty good position at the minute. I absolutely 100% concur with those sentiments. Now, I, haven't um, seen, I haven't seen Woosh's press press conference, but like I take a look at their, their defence on paper and Jordan Ridley is one of the best young defenders to come out of the league. He'll be incredible over the next 10 years. I think whether that be in an NSS and in colours or whether that be in another team's colours. Mason Redman is a promising defender. Michael Hurley, although he's on the, the decline, unfortunately, he's had a, a, a very good career. But Kale Hooker as well. 
played up forward, didn't swing him back. Dyson Heppel, he's fit. He's already played last round. He wasn't involved at all. Couldn't find a matchup. They stuck to Merritt, Parrish, Shield, pretty much the whole game. And then Tipper coming in there at times. I mean, like, this is just, it was almost fundamental kind of mismanagement. I mean, the signs when you look and you're sitting on just on the sideline. It, if I'm an Essendon fan, I know it's 2020 and everything is tough. And like, geez, the, the hub, the bubble, week by week going past, people are just winging it sometimes. But at the same yeah. time, there is a, an objective level of accountability that mm-hmm. uh, players or coaches or the higher up need to be held by. Yep. And this is a person that signed some big name players or supposedly big name players in D- Dylan Shield. He's a bit of a butcher of the ball. <laughs> a bit, I think, is pretty generous. Um, yeah, amazing. With four, four, what I was talking about, big names. Hurley, Heppel, Booker. Uh, to come back in there and already played. And, and let's not forget, like, they have pushed teams. Like, recently, I know they got beaten, but they, they had spurts in the, um, the match at Darwin against Richmond, who no matter who comes out plays for Richmond, even if they're not um, Sydney stacked on the day, they've got an array of players to come in, whether it's whether Arts is playing or not. But they had moments in there where they were really pushing the pressure. And over a four-quarter display to produce that is just pathetic. That was watching it an awful VFL side. It was, a, it was a scrimmage game. So luckily, we got through that with no injuries, which is the biggest, a massive percentage boost. And right now, I'm not watching, but I'm looking at the live ladder as we currently speak. And wow, we West Coast have lost to Western Bulldogs. Ooh. That is so we need one win out of the next two to secure the top four, even if we lose to Richmond. Oh, really? That Sydney. is huge news. So they that lost, is, by, they lost by two points. Western Bulldogs 49, West Coast 47. So, Kane Corn's got something right for once. Was that, that game was played up at Metricon, I think, wasn't it? That one? Yeah, because we played at the Gabba, I think that would have been at Metricon. Just confirms what I said a couple of weeks ago. West Coast cannot win the flag because they can't win outside of Perth. It's as simple as that. And I think the stats would back that up now. They did have a few outs. I know Nick Nout was out, but. One of the things that I took out for this game as well, when we when speaking of Nitnap or the Ruck there, was just how, when you look at the Ruck stats, and yes, obviously we lost it. They've got a really, really good, young, promising, up-and-coming Ruckman there. At the same time, we weren't completely obliviated. But having said that, we dominated the, the clearances. We dominated the centre. We dominated the stoppages. So, it, for me, it almost, yeah, it reinforces my point that a ruckman, a, a tap ruckman in this day and age isn't essential. It's 
really more the people around them who are wherever the ball may go to be onto a quick tackle, a quick fumble, and then the lunge straight after, whether that be Guthrie, whether that be Duncan, whether that be Menangola, whether that be Dangerfield, whoever it may be, or Parfit. I think those players are actually more important in a 22 than mm-hmm. a sole Ruckman who can maybe rotate to half forward and hope to take a mark and kick a goal or two. And yeah, to be fair to Blutzavs, he kept Sam Draper, didn't break even, but he kept Sam Draper quite quite in that he didn't have an influence up forward. Hooker wasn't seen. Heppel wasn't to be seen. Amazing, amazing almost mismanagement, I think, from Essendon's point of view. And I guess it's one of the things, like, how much do we take out of this game? We've, we've seen before when we've played against the bye, uh, before the bye, I'll, against teams, I'll raise, I think, Gold Coast in 2018. Was it at Kidinia Park where we blew them out of the park? Uh, no pun intended. And then we had the bye round. The finals came and we were up against some seriously tough opposition. So I'm not sure if it's, yeah, it potentially could work against our favour in, in, a, in a mental sense if you go into that. But that's not really for me to say. It'd be interesting, I guess, to see Richmond's as well, their mental fortitude when all the news surrounding, um, yeah, Callum Jones and Steve Stark's yep. um, recent breaches of the of the COVID rules. So they're, they're obviously not playing. Other escapades. Yeah, so whether they come out with a little bit to kind of show people after a lot of kind of people saying that, oh, well, there should be huge club ramifications and there should be more. Throwing them under the bus. Yeah, there should be, there should be more done to Richmond after, uh, after their players' idiocracy, for a better yep. term. Um, so maybe they have a little bit of a chip in their shoulder to show come Friday night. But we get through from the set. We have to be ready for that. Yeah. We have to be ready for We have to probably assume that they're going to bring that. And I also... Guess- yeah, we have to assume that Richmond's going to be up for it. And I anticipate that Geelong will be up for it as well. Um, but in light or in line with your point from just before, it's clear that the middle tier we've talked about for so long have stepped up. It's becoming the story of the season in a way um, for, for us. And the fact that we have to keep mentioning it, we don't actually actually keep mentioning it any, anymore because it's become the norm for this year. Guthrie being better, Menegola being better, Parfit raising his level. It's much better contribution from players that we were hoping would step up and they have stepped up. I, and that I has made us that has made us a much more even team. I'd be adding my man Mark O'Connor into that category as well. Add another yeah, solid exactly. Some, as well. Someone else. But I was specific. I was specifically talking midfielders. But even, even, um, even the you know the younger brigade, even like uh, Zach Guthrie, has been decent in the chances that he's had. He's broken the uh, broken the duck with the goals as well this year. While College Asney can't even uh, get near a goal and any chance he gets having a shot he'll shank it kick like a bank backman from uh you know 30 meters out 
Um, but overall, everyone seems to have lifted their level. Even Gary Rowan, uh, who had a terrific start to last year, has been far more consistent this year. And it's just, it kind of speaks to the fact that he's been able to get that consistency in the in his body. His case, his case I think the shortened quarters though, and when you've got less playing time and you're able to, yeah, sprint in a, a, a shorter format, I think that suits him. So yeah, that's definitely... He's more anaerobic, so definitely. Yeah. He plays in bursts as well. So as you said, longer quarters aren't going to suit him to these shorter quarters. He can play in that burst for most of the quarter compared to a, a longer length like we would normally yeah, have. And a, and a 10-minute a minute burst, 15-minute burst, is a match-winning burst. And it's also the length of a quarter now. Yeah. So got that X factor. He just, yeah, he just, yeah. We win the flag. Wouldn't be surprised if he just plays well in you know a quarter and gets his couple. Could be the difference. But yeah. Yep. Keep yep. him, keep him on the park. Yeah, I thought that uh, Litsav's right at the start was was pretty uh, interesting to have him up forward as a as a forward option, but then to actually utilise him or for him to take the mark and go back and drill it was just great signs from the very beginning. So, um, you know, they were, they were hungry from the start and it just shows, you talk about it each and every week that it happens because it happens regularly when he's playing. Harry Rowan's efforts off the ball are always indicative of the team's hunger. When he's demonstrating that desire to defend um, in an attacking sense, then the team is also, you know, feeling that energy. Sure. Yeah. There's not too much to objectively look at an individual's player after this game and say, what did you think in this certain area? Or how did they do in... Let's be honest. We won by 66 points. We blew them out of the park. But, Zach, there there was two ins to this game. So, Mm -hmm. Tui came out and Stanley came out, both late emissions, injuries. Zach Guthrie came in. I don't anticipate him, uh, aside from potentially an injury occurring, um, playing finals or playing much time, great time ongoing. Not any disrespect to Zach, his performances this season, I think he's he's done really well. And he, I think he had an absolutely great game against um, the VFL opposition today. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but Josh Jenkins made his first debut for the Hoops. Didn't manage to kick a goal yet, but what, what are your thoughts there? Because we didn't have Stanley, so it wasn't a... a a standard take the weight off a ruckman. He was actually working with blitzoffs there, uh, getting around the ground. Uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts there? Oh, they were both solid. I think. Um, I don't think they're going to feature in finals, but I think it was reassuring to see that basically, just to put it simply, they can step in and play a role if we need them to. Like Stanley would would play ahead of Jenkins. I would think I personally would have Radigalia ahead of him as well. So he's probably going to be that second or third in line. But 
you'd have every bit of confidence if you had to call upon him to come in. He has played finals as well, so that could come into the equation. Who knows? He did well. Zach Guthrie did well. Ollie took the time to send me a picture of him working out in the gym a couple of weeks ago. So Ollie obviously reckons he's beefed up a bit, which looks like he has. But his skills looked a bit better. His decision-making was a bit better. So he's played well this year. And you would hope that he'd probably realise he is down the pecking order. I mean, that happens when you're in one of the, the higher teams. But I think he's got a good future at the club in a year or two's time, for sure. We're a fair bit into this podcast now, and you haven't even mentioned your your uh, your love child, Lockie Fogarty. Oh yeah, Lockie Fogarty. Oh, he's been, he was terrific I'm, today. I'm trying to share it between him and um, and Mark O'Connor. I mean, I love both of them so much at the minute. They're both doing well now. Fogarty did well. He. He had some good passages again. Solid, didn't set the world on fire. He'd be one of those fringe players, sadly, that may have to drop out. But he, he's taken the opportunity, I think, each opportunity that he gets. And he, he's doing well. It wasn't terrible. Um, but no, he, he's another one. He'll, he'll be a good club player down the track as well. He's getting better and better each game, for sure. In an 108 versus 42-point win, a 66-point win... There's so many moments that we could pick up and just allude to and talk about for minutes and minutes. For me, it was Blitzarves grabbing the ball out of the ruck, pumping it on his non-preferred left foot, I think about 65 metres. Hawk uses his body in the centre square to protect the full back from reaching it and just lots of goes in. <laughs> it was just a great moment. Just unexpected. <laughs> Mark Blitzarves kicking on his left foot. Left, left foot. Well, left foot. Um, probably one of the, yeah, the, the the lower tier players in our in our club when it comes to kicking generally mm. and kicking mm. efficiency. So yeah, I think a couple of their goals came from Harry Taylor turnovers. Um, that was probably my, the only thing you could really. Um, yeah, be frustrated at as a Cats fan. And if you're frustrated at that, then come on. <laughs> Seriously? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, he's yeah. given us over a decade of of no turnovers. Amazing last couple of hours. Yeah, especially because West Coast lost. Because now we, don't, now we know that we don't need to beat Richmond and Sydney. We just need to beat one to get in the top four. So, even a loss to Richmond... That's okay. We just need to beat Sydney after that. It would be awesome to beat Richmond, though, obviously. Any chance you get to play against them and test yourself against a strong opposition and beat them um, is is a, a great test and uh, perhaps a, a dress rehearsal for bigger games later in the year. We should encourage the rest of their players to go to, what is it, Hollywood Girls, some of those other nice <laughs> Cabell Avenue and Orchard Avenue. Feel free to go. <laughs> so you can go home as well, send the whole team home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Vegas or something. Zach, they, Richmond's last game was against Frio. Yeah. <laughs> some players like Blake Akers, Caleb Sarong, Nat Fife actually dominated they couldn't put it on the scoreboard so 
And as we've seen with Richmond, there's no player that really that constantly grabs 25, 30 disposals. It's a very measured kind of 22 style performance. So, yeah, Jaden Short, Nick Vlotston, um, Graham, Marlon Pickett, the one game 29er grand final, he stood up, Castagna, Tom Lynch kicked three goals but did nothing else. But that in the end, they won eight goals, eight. 56 versus four goals, five, 29 to the Dockers. Again, we played Essendon, they played the Dockers. Is it that kind of comparison? Um, yes and no. I think, look, I mean, on paper, clearly they beat Creo, but it was really only a rev up at three-quarter time, I think, that got them over the line. Hardwick really ripped him a new one, which he should have, because of that, they should be beating Creo by 10 goals plus, really. So... You'd imagine they'd be coming out breathing breathing fire a lot. And look there, as you said, Tom Lynch strutting around like he owns plays. Didn't really do much. Martin did what he had to do. Cochin wasn't that great. So it'll it'll be a tough game, as we all know. But look, my message to every Richmond every Richmond player, particularly the good ones, since that they seem to think that they've got the game won before it already happens. If you want to go out any to any venue, pub, um, you know, Hollywood, more than welcome. If you want to go outside your bubble anywhere, which means an instant trip home, I encourage you to go Orchard Avenue. There's lots <laughs> of great places there that are open around the clock. Feel free to go. <laughs> Jots fired there, I would say. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, uh, last chat again, Jed Buse, uh, an amazing game. Love to get two snags next to his name along with a fantastic season for views. We could shout out as so many people here, <laughs> but we'll just stop it at that. But it'll be a tough game upcoming against Richmond. Massive let off for the Cats that, that West Coast got just done over the line by the Western Bulldogs as we were recording in a two-point mm. loss, which means that even if we don't beat Richmond, although... Yeah, I, I want to beat Richmond, especially with no 100,000 people right there. Then we have an opportunity against, yeah, a, a young bunch of kids in in Sydney. Swans game. Which we really should win. So two chances, we win one game. Comes down to that and we secure top four. And then we'll see from there. We get Gaz back, Selwood's back, hopefully no injuries. Um yeah, so happy days. A very, very happy day today. Sunday, the 6th of September. Actually, well, happy day in the football world. Maybe not for um, Metropolitan Melbourne. We won't touch upon that. Um, but, yeah. Any on that, I think we'll, we've already previewed, I guess, Richmond upcoming. That They'll likely in. Stanley will have to come in. Uh, Tui will have to come in. So... Two people there look like they're making way. We can speculate as much as we want. But at the same time this season, we've seen seven inclusions at some times. We've seen two inclusions. We've seen same. Uh, so there's an element of just let it be, I think. Yep. Yep. What will be, will be. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. What's your um, your killer cap for, for this week? Oh, I'm interested to know that the one thing that's really frustrated you, whether it be AFL, 
Geelong solely or AFL well news across board? Go well. Back. One, yep. Yeah. Now, yeah, go on, go, go. General critique of the Port Adelaide Football Club. I was having just, at Port Adelaide as a whole. I love it. Go for it. <laughs> just the fact, just the fact that they are largely pumped up to have been um, perhaps better than they actually are this year. You know, the first time they've run into someone that was a substantial threat, perhaps in Geelong, they got belted. Um, and commentators have made calls that, uh, particularly, I think Luke Hodge, and he's someone that you would listen to. Um, have had a good season, but the the other teams that are around the mark for finals are more of a show, I would say. Um, any other critiques from you guys? It's my killer cat. My killer cat frustration this week surrounds a man that we've discussed on this podcast before. And frustration is put on a bit more after recently speaking to Hannah Birchall and her want and will for more um, female presence in the AFL media when there are fantastic female journalists out there. There are fantastic people out there. And all we get is Daisy Pearce, who's fantastic, Luke Hodge has stepped into a role this year, has been fantastic. Um, as a <laughs> Luke Hodge, a Hawthorne player, I'd never thought I'd be crediting him in any way, but he is outstanding as a, as a boundary commentator. He should be in the box talking. He is phenomenal. Having said that, we have had to <laughs> go through 2020 listening to a commentary take of through... An individual we've shouted out many times with his podcast this year where he's been in the news a lot for round five, body shaming. Round six, comments, gee, Gazza's struggling. Only left minutes later, Gazza, two goals, 14 disposals, 14 pressure acts, two goal assists, five score involvements. And round seven, this individual had to apologise after referring to Jordan DeGoey's sexual assault charges as a hiccup. Just a, yeah, a, a hiccup. Yep. Yeah. And last Sunday, this man made 55 rhetorical questions on Channel 7. Commentating. <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he? I reckon he did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You'd reckon he, you reckon he did, didn't he? Yeah. How long do we have to put up with <laughs> this person who should stick to the races <laughs> and let AFL commentators commentate or people who can actually foresee the game in certain areas, understand it and commentate instead of saying a point that's made easy to see for your easy John citizen. Don't they? They look like <laughs> they're in touch, don't they? When it's a five-point margin or something like that. It's just ridiculous nonsense. It's a strange just going back from almost the, like the old, the old kind of um, the sexist footy show days 
um, at, towards this Channel 7 new model of BT and Bruce and Co. And then having to endure Bruce's 55 rhetorical questions in a game, along with Bruce's uh, BT's uh, standard wowie and G's, and unfortunately Cameron Ling now uses the word G's like it's uh, wheat bix for breakfast. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not calling for a, 2020 people losing their jobs left, right, and centre. I'm not calling for a, a, a head to go here, but seriously, how long are we meant to put up with this? <laughs> oh, this is yeah. where I say wowee. And wowee, boy, oh boy. you can see my face right now. I'm not saying that in any lighthearted sense. Wowee with a massive full stop right there. Zach, on to you. Uh, impossible to follow that, mate, but I'm going to have a crack. Look, my my killer cats with with Fox Footy this week, which pains me to say it. I love Fox Footy. When Fox Footy got axed a couple of years ago, a part of me died. Part of my heart literally disappeared. When it came back on, fell back in love with life again. So I love Fox Footy. But they've been overusing the word superstar far too often. In fact, a ridiculous amount. In my opinion. I mean, think about this over a couple of weeks. Now, when you think of superstars, sort of modern-ish day players, you think of players like James Hurd, Michael Voss, Nathan Buckley, best player I've ever seen live personally, Gary Ablett Sr., Lockett, Dunstall, Carey, Judd, Gary Ablett Jr. I think we'd all agree they are genuine superstars of the game. You think premierships, Brownlow medals, BNFs, all of those sort of things. So I've been keeping a list this week of the players, according to Fox Footy, are superstars. So very quickly, <laughs> Nick Del Santo. That, I'm not even going to start on that. That's just, yeah, that's just a joke in itself. Lee Montagna, probably the one that they maybe got close. Not, not quite a superstar, but was a good player and a pretty good side. So I'm, I'm willing to give him that. Kane Corns, he probably is in his own mind, but in reality, no, he couldn't even make it as a fireman. Now he's going to come back and just can people on the footy. So moving on from that one. <laughs> Josh, Josh Bruce, I mean, are we going to compare Josh Bruce to Jason Dunstall and Tony Lockett? Don't even start. Bradley Hill played in a great team. He was a pretty average player. And then, all you'll appreciate this one. You've been in the footy with me. Sam Mitchell. Oh, this <laughs> one burns me the most. He had a Brownlow medal handed to him that should never have been his. It should have always been <laughs> Joe Watson. Every time you hear his name, oh, he got 30, 35 touches. So anyone can get 30, 35 possessions when you stand behind the person with the ball and call for the cheap handball. Why can nobody see that? It's unbelievable. This word is being overused far too much, and it is ridiculous. Fox Footy, I love you. I love all your program, but this nonsense has got to stop. <laughs> Who's the main culprit? Perhaps uh, our man, Wayne Russell? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know, the script writers, whoever, we've got to stop overusing this word. It's just being over-exaggerated because then we're going to lose touch of who the true superstars actually are. Mm, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. Like, you know, heaping on praise rather easily. Spot on. Could not agree yet anymore. Well, touching on that, I think, like, there's an there's a issue regarding players' career and the individual career being a, yeah, they were a superstar during their career. But you can also be a superstar after your playing career life. 
I think Simon Black's a really good example of that, of what he's done in the Simon Black Academy um, and, and certain other people that will go unnamed <laughs> purely for the fact that they won't get recognised in their social work and their community work as well. So that's a superstar in their own right there, that, that element there. But you're spot on. You're spot on. That Josh Bruce superstar, that just gives me a little bit chills. That's another wowee moment, a solemn wowee moment, a very, very solemn wowee moment with two <laughs> full stops next to it, I think. You've ruined my night. Um, yeah, moving forward, I think. It's good news that West Coast have lost. Happy days. Because, but look, if we get this one in the bank, we don't have to think about finals. We don't, we don't have to think about who we play, what we will be, come fixtures. It's working in our favour because I think Medricon and the Gabba both work in Geelong's favour to, to play in. So one's, yeah, quite short. We've got a really good, strong push for a title this year. Let's just bag this win. On that note, go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go cats.